Hello and welcome to Southside Church Podcast. For information about our church located in Cape Town, South Africa, go and check out our website, southsidechurch.co.za. We trust that the message would inspire you today. So we are in Palm Sunday and we've heard about that uh, earlier today. And um, Palm Sunday originated in the Jerusalem church around the late 4th century Um, And it's a time which marks the beginning of Passion Week, um, the week of events leading up to Jesus' death. Um, And it commemorates that triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. Now, through that final week of Jesus' life, known as the Passion Week, leading up to him giving himself out of the passion for his love and our salvation, there were many moments that confused his disciples as they watched what was happening. In fact, there were many moments that confused the crowd watching Jesus from a distance in that final week of his life. And I've got a question for you, no matter where you are right now. How often do we experience confusion when it comes to trusting God based on the things that happen in our personal lives? It's like, oh, okay, God, but this feels like I'm confused now. You say if I do this, you will do that, but that's not happening. So how often do we experience confusion when it comes to trusting God based on the things that are happening in our personal lives? And for many of us, online and here right now in person, this is a reality. There's certain things that are leaving us conflicted, feeling like we no longer understand, like suddenly God's not making sense or what we thought we believed is something we're struggling to hold on to in the season we're in. And today I want to speak about this because this is the one thing that frustrates me about God. God, like so much of what he does is a paradox. Like it's like it's, it's upside down in our world. It, it, it's so counterculture. You know, things like the first will be last. What? In order for you to flourish, first of all, something must die. No. It's like, oh, the paradoxes of the way God works and the way we experience life. And so I want to look at two paradoxes from Passion Week. And I, I'm trusting that today you would frame these two paradoxes I speak about in the context of Isaiah 55 verse eight in the Bible, where God declares, your ways are not like my ways. Do you know how many followers of Jesus would be set free if we actually remembered that verse? You know, we remember the verses, for I know I got a plan for you, a plan to prosper you, not to harm you. Well, many of you were not prospering and harmed during the pandemic. And then we go back to God and say, but you said in the Bible, I'm confused. We forgot to frame all of those experiences under Isaiah 55 verse eight. My child, don't be confused. Surrender to my sovereignty because your ways are not like my ways. So I want you to frame these two paradoxes I share out of the life of Jesus' final week on earth with that context. His ways are not like yours. So first of all, we see Jesus and the triumphant entry. 
into Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. Everyone's throwing the palm branches. John 12, verse 12 in the New Testament records. It says, the next day the crowd that had come for the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, blessed is the King of Israel. Now in biblical times, the regional custom called for kings and nobles arriving in procession to ride on a donkey. The donkey was a symbol of peace. Those who rode on them proclaimed peaceful intentions. The laying of palm branches indicated that the king or the dignitary was arriving in victory or triumph. So, to the onlooker, this event would have looked like a celebration. Hosanna, woo, Jesus has come, you know? It would have felt good. You would have felt really good if you were there, like, sheesh, this is cool. Hey, hey, pushing through the crowds. Hey, you, you know, you've got a drink in your hand. Hey, what's everyone doing here? Oh, no, no, no. The king's coming. Woo, yeah, yeah, Jesus, Hosanna. It's really a celebration. It was a party, and the people responded with shouts of joy. But... In the midst of the smiles and the celebration, Luke chapter 19, 41 records Jesus' response as he got to the celebration, okay? We're all like, woohoo, yeah, Jesus is here, Hosanna. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it. Oh, wait a minute. You see, while everyone was smiling in celebration, Jesus was weeping because he had revelation. What lay ahead was revealed to him. He was seeing the present through what he knew the future held. And there are times in our lives where we may perceive Jesus to be spoiling our fun or making our lives miserable but it may be because of our inability to see what he does. Philip Yancey says of that moment when Jesus wept amongst the celebration, Jesus himself had mixed feelings during the glamorous parade. Voices who shout Hosanna one week would shriek crucify him the next. While the people were, were, were joyously embracing celebration, Jesus wept through revelation seeing what they couldn't. You see, Jesus could see what the people could not. When we perceive God to be spoiling our present happiness, he might just be rescuing us from a problem we can't see in our future. Okay, we're moaning in the present. Oh God, this and I lost all the stuff I thought I should have had. And he's going, my child, my ways are not your ways. Tim Keller said, God will either give us what we ask for or give us what we would have asked for if we knew everything he knew. <laughs> so the paradox is that your laughing might be God's weeping. Your laughing might be God's weeping. God, everything was fine and you just took it all away and I don't understand. My ways are not your ways, my child. And I'm seeing from Revelation what the future holds, and that's why your present isn't what you planned it to be. But do not worry, because my ways are not your ways. The paradox is that your laughing might be God's weeping. So, we have this triumphant entry that was one experience Jesus had in the last week before the crucifixion. 
But he also then had the last supper with the disciples. That was a big deal in that final week of his life. The last supper. Now, in John chapter 13, we read the account of Jesus' last supper with his disciples before his death. And during their time together, Jesus got up and he wrapped a towel around his waist. The disciples would have probably identified wrapping the towel around the waist with a practice that would have been unthinkable for Jesus to perform as their powerful Messiah. Uh -uh. I I can imagine as Jesus is wrapping the towel around himself that they probably stopped chewing and, and with a mouthful of food would have stared at him hoping he wasn't about to do what they thought he was getting ready to do. They might have turned to each other and pulled faces of bewilderment, perhaps even shaking their heads. And then Jesus is busy proceeding to fill a basin with water and the disciples' worst suspicions are confirmed. Jesus was preparing to wash their feet. And as he approached Peter, this radical idea that he would dare wash the feet of his people as the Messiah, Peter actually reacted and shouted to him and said, no, the scriptures tell us, Peter went, no, You see, during this historical period, foot washing was considered so degrading that a master could not even require it of a Jewish slave. It was a humiliating act of weakness. And Peter's like, well, God, no. That's weak. That's not how it's supposed to be, God. Maybe right now, Those are the kind of engagements you're having with God. No, God. No way. Like, this is weak. Like, you're weak in this. Where's the powerful breakthrough? This is weak. Or or you're looking at your circumstance and what it looks like, and you're going, no, God. This seems to be a contradiction of the God I thought was powerful, all-knowing, and would give me breakthrough. Let us remember in this context the words written in the Old Testament book of Proverbs 14 verse 12 that says, there is a way that seems right to a man and appears straight before him, but its way ends in death. In one act, in that one act, Jesus symbolically overturned the whole social order of what seemed right. And the disciples questioned question Jesus about why he would do something so outrageous. And then he replied to them in verses 16 to 20, and he said, do you understand what I've done to you? You address me as teacher and master, and rightly so, that is what I am. So if I, the master and teacher, washed your feet, you must now wash each other's feet. I've laid down a pattern for you, what I've done to you. I'm only pointing out the obvious. A servant is not ranked above his master. An employee doesn't give orders to the employer. If you understand what I'm telling you, act like it and live a blessed life. So after this dynamic in which Peter actually said to God, to his face, no, because God's so weak and this isn't right, God, let me tell you the way you should have done it. 
You know, after that moment, what Jesus is teaching his disciples is that even if you're the most powerful person in the room, pick up the towel. We're like, yeah, but that's not the way it works. You see, I don't pick up the towel for people. If I'm the, the most powerful person in the room, then I'm the man, so I just rock with it. And he's saying, no, no, if you're the most powerful person in the room, pick up the towel. You see, what the disciples perceived as weakness was actually a sign of power because it would require Jesus being a servant in order to be sacrificed on the cross of his own creation in the pathway toward a mighty and powerful victory of defeating death and being raised from the dead. It required that he became a servant in order to follow the pathway to the powerful victory of resurrection from death. And we read about this in Mark 10, verse 45, when it says, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. Where we feel God is weak because he's not meeting our plans, it might be the very place that he's more powerful than you could ever comprehend or ask or imagine. So where Peter saw weakness and declared no, Jesus saw power and declared yes. Where you're, where you're celebrating and woo, yeah, life is good, might be a place in which God is weeping because he can see by revelation that something needs to change because he can see ahead of your life. And so there's that paradox, you know. There might be times where you're weeping and going, no God like Peter, but we just don't understand. His ways are not our ways. So in fact, what looks like the pathway to defeat might be the great pathway to deliverance. It might be where God's power is greater than what you can comprehend. So where you're saying no now, is it possible that God is still sovereign and he is still working beyond what you can see? paradoxes of the Passion Week are that your laughing might be God's weeping and your no may be God's yes. In Romans chapter 9 verse 20 in the New Testament, I was recently reading and Paul the Apostle writes to the church and they're arguing with God, okay? Like, if you don't argue with God, please start because it, it, it confirms that you're in a relationship with Him and you're not just doing your religious rules. Like, if you don't get frustrated with God, then I want to challenge you because there should be times where there's tension, where you're confused, where you're and that's okay. It's not evil. But, but at the end of the day, what you end doing is like Jesus. You're like, take this cup away from me. But then you go, okay, wait. So I'm feeling, not my will, your will be done. And then you submit those feelings to him. But, but, but there are times where we argue with God. God, that's not right. Why did you take that person? They were so young. They had a whole life ahead of them. You know, you, we're really good. We, we know, we're, we've got really good logical explanations for getting frustrated with God. You know, when someone good dies young, I mean, how can that be good? Well, I don't know, but what I do know is his ways are not my ways, and, and, and so I, I need to submit to his sovereignty when I don't understand. And, and, and so the church here is arguing about the grace of God and the law and faith in Romans 9, 20. And, and Paul says this, he says to them, who are you, a mere human being, to argue with God? You see, it's not about getting answers. It's about trusting the one who already has them. Because his ways are not your ways. His thoughts aren't yours, so you can't measure the two. And very often your laughing may be where God's weeping and, and your no may be God's yes. 
And so at the end of the day, your greatest act of faith that I keep repeating is not in you striving to believe, but your surrender to his sovereignty. It's not about getting answers. It's about trusting the one who already has them. So, as we continue navigating this crazy season where we often feel confused or cannot make out where God is in the process, what is our response? We know that his ways aren't ours, that so many ways in which he works seem to be a paradox. Hebrews chapter 12 verse two guides us into the way we can respond in the reality of our world today like this. And it says, we look away from the natural realm and we fasten our gaze onto Jesus who birthed within us and who leads us forward into faith's perfection. His example is this, because his heart was focused on the joy of knowing that you would be his. He endured the agony of the cross and conquered its humiliation and now sits exalted at the right hand of the throne of God. In that single scripture, we see the victory of our king exalted at the right hand of God, meaning we don't fight for victory. You know the phrase, we fight from victory. Knowing that, even in the confusion and our lack of understanding about where God is or why we're going through what we're going through, we can now apply the first portion of that scripture. We look away from the natural realm and we fasten our gaze onto Jesus because he sees what we can't see and he works in ways we don't understand. Right now with me, I want you to close your eyes. I want you to open your hearts. If you're with us online, I want you to close your eyes. You've just heard that single statement where you are. We look away from the natural realm where we're finding confusion, frustration, or lack of understanding. We look away from the natural realm and we fasten our gaze onto Jesus because he sees what we can't see and he works in ways we don't understand. Right now in your life where you feel that all you can see is the enemy before you, the obstacle you can't get through, the darkness that shows no sign of breakthrough, I want you to know that you can keep your gaze on Jesus because He is seeing what you can't in this season. Right now, if you're finding yourself confused with more questions than answers when it comes to God, doubting your faith, perhaps even for the first time ever, where you're questioning everything you seem to believe so easily in seasons where life was good. Right now, if that's you, you can fasten your gaze onto Jesus because He works in ways that you may not understand even in those very places right now in your present life. So, Father, in the midst of this moment in history, the midst of this moment which we reflect on the final week of your life, we walk away with an awareness that your ways are not our ways, that so often you see what we can't yet see and you work in ways we don't understand because you are preparing the path before us. And so Jesus, in the midst of the moments of confusion, in the midst of the moment where it feels our joy is taken, or you're doing something that we disapprove of, we right now surrender those things before your sovereignty. As the king who walked on the earth, 
experienced our humanity, conquered the cross and its humiliation, and now sits exalted at the right hand of the throne of God. And Holy Spirit, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would come and settle on the minds and hearts of every man and woman in this place. The minds and hearts of every man and woman that are joining us online right now in their beds, on their couches, in their coffee shops. Pray, Holy Spirit, you would guard our minds and hearts. Pray, Holy Spirit, you would move us to surrender the stress and the striving, which is tensely and highly strung on the inside. And I pray, my God, that by the power of your Spirit, as our Savior exalted to the right hand of God, you would come and intervene miraculously in the places in our personal lives where we've experienced pressure and confusion and misunderstanding and frustration. Lord Jesus, we surrender and we trust in you this morning.